This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Movies are often described as being all about heroes, you know, the hero's journey and all those how-to-write-a-hit movie courses. It's true, of course, as long as you don't get hung up on gender or indeed on heroics. The hero is the central figure, the one who gets where they're going, or not, who learns something, or not, and who invariably dominates the last scene. Whoever gets the happy ending, or the unhappy ending, well, that's your hero. I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. But heroes aren't always the most interesting characters. I'm thinking of the TV series The Crown, now heading into its final series, in the face of some fairly understandable criticism over its timing. There's certainly no question who's the hero. Queen Elizabeth II, no matter who plays her. But who do we look for? That's the advantage of having a character to bring. Too much character, an excess of character. Now look at me and tell me you didn't say that without a little bit of envy. The most colourful character is undoubtedly Her Majesty's bratty sister, Princess Margaret, played by Vanessa Kirby, Helena Bonham Carter and shortly Leslie Manville. But I have fond memories of the young Margaret in the movie A Royal Night Out, played by Belle Powley, and the later version having a fling with Mick Jagger in the Urban Myths series. I know you. You're a singer. More of an anarchist, really. The singing's just my route to the downtrodden. Not many downtrodden in here. Yeah, I'm sort of parodying the whole scene. You're doing ever so well. That's Kelly MacDonald behind the cocktails and cigarette holder. Well, this week sees a 50s set comedy drama starring the latest crown version, the great Leslie Manville. And, coincidentally or not, Princess Margaret makes a brief appearance in Mrs Harris Goes to Paris. Comment a-t-on fait entrer cette malheureuse? Cette femme est clairement perturbée. This lady wishes to buy a dress. Direct her to a suitable shop. La Samaritaine. Go. No, 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 no. Hang on a minute. I've come miles. Also this week, a real-life New Zealand heroine, Olympic legend Valerie Adams, in her own movie, More Than Gold. While it's obviously aimed at the fans, the Dame Valerie story works even better if, like me, you only have a nodding acquaintance with her eventful life. Being a mum is the best she's ever. It really is. It's the biggest blessing I've ever received in my whole entire life. I'd give away every gold medal I've ever won, or any medal, to be their mum, to be a mum, and to be here with them. And it's taken some time, but Dwayne Johnson has finally got his first comic book hero franchise up and running. Perhaps hero isn't quite the right word for Black Adam. Black Adam. We're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. Heard about at least three killings this afternoon. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. But first, it's been pushed relentlessly as the feel-good movie of the year, and I'm not sure it isn't. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. If it isn't a marvellous Mrs. H, I don't trust you, sake. What can I get you, ladies? It's been a lucky week. Two ports and lemon. Every week's lucky if you're a bookmaker. You're not wrong there, love. Two port and lemon, please. Of course, now I've got your company. I'm in Clover. 
His name's all but forgotten now, but at one time, Paul Gallico was one of the most successful writers in the world. He wrote the original Poseidon Adventure, Pride of the Yankees, and particularly the Dunkirk tearjerker, The Snow Goose. In fact, his specialty was dishing out laughs and tears in equal measure, and his best-loved book was Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Mom's away. Mrs. Harris, what would I do without you? Mrs. Harris is the soul of discretion. Mom would never know she'd been but for the polish on my nose. That's what we are, Vi, the invisible women. There was a TV movie starring Angela Lansbury back in 1992, and now there's a new production starring Leslie Manville. Never having read it, it's about a charwoman who goes to Paris to buy a dress. This was my first opportunity to see what all the fuss was about back in the 50s. Kiss me once, kiss me twice, and kiss me once again. Isn't it divine? 500 pounds. 500 quid for a dress? When I put it on, nothing else matters. Ada Harris lives alone in London around 1958 or so. Her husband, Eddie, never came back from the war, though Ada keeps hoping that one day he may just show up. Her best friends, fellow cleaning lady Vi and bookmaker Archie, try and get her to be realistic, both about Eddie and also the wildly expensive Christian Dior dress she covets at one of the flats she cleans. My Eddie would love to see me in a Dior gown. War's been over a long time. Your Eddie's never coming back. Nothing wrong with dreaming, Eddie. That's what you are. You're a dreamer. The movie's trailer, which seems to have appeared before every movie on offer for the past six months, gives some pretty obvious hints where the story of Mrs Harris Goes to Paris may be heading. But you'll be surprised. In fact, you'll be surprised several times. As a result of this discovery, Sergeant Harris is now posted... killed in action. 2nd March 1944... Please await further communication from area of central administration. Oh, Ada. Just as Ada decided to give up her dream, not only the cost of a Dior dress, but also the trip to Paris, let alone somewhere to stay, her luck changes in an extraordinary way, including a gift seemingly from beyond the grave. You should have been receiving a war widow's pension. Comes quite a tidy sum. Oh, it's my Eddie. It's a sign from my angel. What are you going to do? I'm going to buy a dress. A Christian Dior from Paris. <laughs> well, brace yourself because you're going to have to get used to some sudden lurches between good news and bad news. The secret of true feel-good movies, and Paul Gallico may have invented the genre without meaning to, isn't the landing the heroine with treasure. Anyone can do that. It's regularly taking the treasure away and seeing what happens next. Excuse me, dear. I'm after a frock, one of them 500-pound ones. You have the wrong address. When Mrs. Harris arrives at Christian Dior's, she has to face the fearsome Madame Colbert, played with icy snobbery by Isabelle Huppert. She's about to be ejected to make room for Dior's usual aristocratic clientele, including Princess Margaret, as it happens. But Mrs. Harris produces something the toffs can't, actual cash. And she also gains a champion, a dashing Marquess, no less. Please let me escort you out. No, 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 hang on a minute. I've saved every penny scrubbing floor so I can buy this frock. Excuse me, but it would be my honour to have you view the collection as my guest. Ni tout cela, ni rien.
The deal is possibly done. Mrs. Harris's money is certainly satisfactory, even if she isn't. But it will take a week to complete the dress, and she'll need to be available and living in Paris every step of the way. How will she get by, particularly since, as Madame Colbert keeps reminding her, she's nobody. Your dress is designed to astonish. How will you do that, Mrs. Harris? You are nobody. Invisible. Well, don't worry, you're in the safest of hands, a story that still holds water 60 years on and a terrific cast. As well as Leslie Manville and Isabelle Huppert, the film boasts Jason Isaacs, French star Lambert Wilson as the Marquis and an endearing young couple, Lucas Bravo and Alba Baptista. And the director, Anthony Fabian, proves to have a deft touch in a genre that's far harder than it looks. Madame, may I give you a lift? What was I thinking coming here? I'm just a cleaner from London. No, you're a cleaner who dreams of the most beautiful gown in the world. It's not so in spiking moonlight. And the other major contributor is one of the most famous costume designers in Hollywood. Jenny Bevan has been nominated 11 times for an Oscar. She won three, and she'll likely do it again with Mrs. Harris. Who else could do justice to the world of Christian Dior in 1958? You dare to follow your dreams, Mrs. Harris? Bravo. This is not possible. Not at all. Where are you going, Mrs. Harris? To see the boss. Mrs. Harris, these are for you. From Monsieur Le Marquis. All the way through, I kept thinking how much my late mum would have loved Mrs. Harris. In fact, I was surrounded by several people's mums having the best of times, alternately chuckling and applying their handkerchiefs. I have never encountered anyone like you. Come on, girls, follow me. Today there's a new woman, a modern woman. I thought it was too late. Now I'm not so sure. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is very old-fashioned storytelling from a long-ago fantasy world of charwomen and milkmen, lovable bookies and toffs. And yet, if you're in the right mood, it still casts a surprisingly effective spell. Who's that bloke? Looks the master himself, Monsieur Dior. He looks like my milkman. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the few certainties in the New Zealand film business that if you're a leading sports figure, there's a good chance you'll get a documentary made about you. Though mostly the stars have tended to be male, all blacks, boxers, racing car drivers and the like. But no one could argue with the latest recipient, Olympic athlete Dame Valerie Adams. Why am I going to my fifth Olympic Games? I want to do this for my babies. I want to do this to inspire them. But I know this journey is going to be the most difficult campaign I will ever embark on. I assume the new film, directed and produced by documentary aristocracy, Brian March and Leanne Pooley, respectively, was originally just going to be called the rather cryptic More Than Gold. Wiser heads prevailed and they put Dame Valerie Adams at the front of the title, thus letting us know who it was about and also how it was going to work out for her. Another gold medal winning throw. Anyone who goes undefeated for over a hundred events is superhuman. Personally, I didn't mind the spoiler built into the title. My knowledge of Valerie Adams was embarrassingly limited. I knew she was a brilliant athlete, albeit in the, I'd have said, rather niche sport of the shot put. I knew she did well at several Olympics, and I knew that she was loved by pretty much everyone who knew her. So where's the drama, I wondered? 
I was always the tallest kid at primary school. I'm six foot four at 12. She was teased so much. I just never fit in. I soon found out. Knowing, as I say, next to nothing, I was kept on the edge of my seat all the way through Valerie Adams' More Than Gold. I didn't know that basketball legend Steve Adams was her brother, though I didn't know how many other brothers and sisters they had. Well, I didn't feel so bad about this when it turned out they weren't sure either. My version is that there's 13 of us. But it depends on who you ask. Margaret, Barry. Steve, Gabby, Lisa. Ralph, Warren. I don't want to miss anybody else. Have I said Patty? Valerie was brought up in Tonga until her parents split up, forcing Valerie's mother to take off with the kids and start again in South Auckland. Valerie was very tall and was bullied regularly. My favourite story in a movie, full of great stories, is of her best friend, one of the smallest kids in her class, coming to her rescue. When I was born, we were living in Tonga for a period of time. My sister and I and my mum came to New Zealand and tried to adapt to New Zealand way of life. Valerie's very first competition, she didn't have shoes. We had no money, but we had love. Valerie tells her own story, and you can see why. It's one of those true stories you couldn't make up. Potentially crushing events turn out to be career-building ones, like sitting next to her dying mother, both watching the Sydney Olympics on TV and making a decision to go for the next one. When my mum passed away, I made a commitment to her that I was going to continue this dream. It was my light. It was my motivation. It's a series of one door closing and another opening. How did she even take up such an esoteric sport? How much work goes into preparing for an event that often comes down to a few one-second throws? Well, I can answer that last question now. A lot. Watching Valerie Adams at work in the gym is often quite terrifying. This time next week, I'm going to be leaving New Zealand for four months. That's the longest time I've been away from my kids. This is greatness. This is what it takes. So much effort, so much power, so little respite. Often her coach's job was to remind her to give her body a rest once in a while. The framing story of the film is the build-up to the Tokyo Olympics. The Olympics, you remember, that were almost scuppered by COVID, with the constant threat that all that gruelling preparation may have been for nothing. To qualify for the Olympics, for my fifth Olympics in Tokyo, after nearly 20 months of being out of the game, is absolutely fantastic. But more importantly, you know, mums can come back, and who are athletes can come back and still continue to live their dreams if that's what they want to do. But the film isn't simply about this being her unprecedented fifth Olympics. It was doing it after the birth of a child that almost killed her. It was spending months apart from her family. It was the danger not that she might not win a gold medal, but that she might not survive the event at all. I am 36. I'm not favoured to medal, but I'm up to the challenge. I was going through excruciating pain. Well, at that point, I thought I could be a solo dad you know, for the rest of my life. If you're a big sports fan, go and see Dame Valerie Adams' More Than Gold. Chances are you've already seen it. But if you're not a big sports fan, go and see it too. It's quite fantastic. The less you know going in, the more you'll love it. She's putting back into the community, both in New Zealand and in Tonga. She works so hard. She sacrifices so much. I miss you. Very proud of you. Signature moment for me was Dame Valerie Adams picking up an international award somewhere. Her thank you speech was in English, Tongan and French, all languages she's fluent in. Who knew? 
The award she's won over the years are great, of course, but as the title says, and I get it now, this film is more than gold. Dwayne Johnson, the one-time wrestler The Rock, is one of the most popular movie stars around, often despite some pretty bad movies. But people love him anyway, even when he attempts to broaden his acting scope, playing near-villains like Black Adam. No-one believes The Rock can be completely bad. Black Adam. What have your powers ever given to you? Nothing but hearty. Unlike, I'm sorry to say, Black Adam, which is pretty awful, mainly thanks to the producer, who turns out to be, oh dear, Dwayne Johnson. It suffers from the curse of most DC Comics movies. It's not that they're bad, well, not all of them, they're just so inconsistent. Behind you! Did he just catch a rocket? He got a rocket. Where their arch-rivals Marvel Comics have the firm hand of one man at the tiller, head honcho Kevin Feige, DC movies are all over the place, and none more so than Black Adam. I was a slave until I died. Then I was reborn a god. My son sacrificed his life to save me. It's nominally connected to a previous movie called Shazam, which it bears very little resemblance to. That was a kid's comedy, sort of early Superman meets the Tom Hanks body swap comedy Big. Black Adam, on the other hand, opens 5,000 years ago in the mythical kingdom of Kandak, built on slavery. One slave utters the magic word Shazam and becomes superhuman. Now, I kneel before no one. The evil king manages to bury him for 5,000 years, cut to a totally different plot where modern-day Kandak is now ruled by evil colonisers. To kick them out, the local freedom fighters just need one magic doodad. Our heroine Adriana finds it, but in so doing releases an angry 5,000-year-old demigod. This loose cannon needs to be locked down before innocent people start getting hurt. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. You find us a cell that can hold him, we'll take care of the rest. And suddenly we sprint to America and Viola Davis is that rather unpleasant military leader, Amanda Waller. You may remember her as the boss of DC's Crime Stoppers, The Suicide Squad. Now she's in charge of another group, the Justice Society. Who's on the team? I didn't bring a passport. We don't need passports. We're the Justice Society. Wait, I thought they were called the Justice League, you know, with Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman and so on. Nope, different group entirely charged with taking on Black Adam. And here they come now. Hello, size-changing Atom Smasher. Grab a seat, Cyclone. You must be Hawkman. It was the wings and feathers that gave you away. In this world, there are heroes. I feel the pain in 
my city wherever I go. And they're villains. Heroes don't kill people. Well, I do. And as the elder statesman, the sort of part you'd expect to go to Sir Patrick Stewart or Sir Ian McKellen, here's the rather more B-division Pierce Brosnan. You'll notice Dr Fate usually wears a face-concealing helmet. Very useful when you want your stuntman to do all those lengthy fight scenes. My vision has shown me the future. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its saviour. And you'll also notice Adriana and the rest of the heroic freedom fighters in the first act are mostly sidelined in the rest of the movie. They hardly show up at all in the trailers. This is to make room for The Rock, who dominates the proceedings, despite having very little purpose except to cause mayhem. You didn't come here to seek justice. You came to exact revenge. What story there is involves some anonymous villains chasing that magic doodad Adriana planned to use to free the people. Black Adam wants to kill them all. The Justice Society, on the other hand, don't want to kill anyone, nervous that the body count of previous DC Comics films has tended to put off the all-important family audience. I never said I was a hero. You are not worthy. But fate does not make mistakes. What's wrong with Black Adam is what's wrong with the whole of DC's so-called extended universe. Not only does it have very little to do with any of the other DC titles, it's hard to find a coherent through line in this one. Who's it about? Adriana and her freedom fighters? The Justice Society? The whole thing has been swamped by the power of the rock. powers are not a gift but a curse born out of rage if the DC plan is to combine all the component parts of this two-dimensional universe into one effective landscape they're going to need not only a genius but a ruthless genius failing Lex Luthor I wonder what James Cameron's doing next year Well, that brings this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.